Happy to be here this morning. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Feels like a while since I've been here, but it's just good to be with you and to just sing praises to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's join in worship. Have that song on my heart. We fall down. Here I am to worship. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. And the greatness of His mercy and love At the feet of Jesus We cry, holy, holy, holy Just lift your hands now Holy, holy, holy And we cry, holy fall down and we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus, greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, we cry Again, together now. Holy, holy, holy. 
Let's sing it again now. That's lovely. We fall down and we lay our crown. Oh, at the feet of Jesus. Greatness of His mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus. Eyes of my heart, Lord. Come on, sing it. Open the eyes of my heart. Do you really mean it? Do you want to see him now? Oh, I want to see him. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Yes. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, we do, Father. want to see you, to see you high and lifted up. High and lifted up. Oh, shining now, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power. As we sing, as we sing, holy, 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 holy. Oh, I want to see you now. Yes, Lord, I want to see you. Sing it again now. Oh, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes, Lord. Oh, I want to see you. Oh, yes, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. Yes, I want to see you, to see you high, high and lifted up, oh, shining down, pour out your power, your power. Lift his name now. Lord, we lift 
the song on my heart how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him if we could sing that together I love this song I just love the message in this song how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news oh good of happiness oh our God reigns 
just how God reigns. Oh, our God reigns. Yes, our God reigns. Yes, our God reigns. Our God reigns. And it was our sin. And guilt that bruised and wounded him. It was our sin that brought him down. When we, like sheep, had gone astray, our shepherd came and gone. Out of that, friends, for our shame with all your hearts, for our God reigns, yes, our God reigns, oh, our God reigns, our God reigns, well, he had no the form he had no majesty that we should be oh drawn to him and he was despised and we took no account of him and now he reigns, oh glory, with the most high, oh our God reigns, yes our God reigns, oh our God reigns, our God reigns. Led out to the slaughterhouse as a sheep. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. His life ran down upon the ground like pouring rain. Born again, oh, born again, oh, our God reigns, oh, our God reigns, oh, our God reigns, our God reigns. Reign. Sing it like this now, He's alive.
Amen. What a blessed atmosphere to be in. Amen. Just being able to to feel that presence is a special thing. Amen. Hallelujah. I trust the Lord is dealing with your hearts. And as we change the order of our service at this time, musicians can play some music softly just to set the right atmosphere. And we'll take our needs to the Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Mark Sylvester if you would be prepared, brother, to come forward. Um, I have some requests here, one for sister, uh, from Sister Sarah Buchanan for her sister, uh, Rayleigh Shepherd. She's in the hospital. And if you would remember that special need in prayer. <clears throat> also, please remember Sarah Buchanan in your prayers. I have also, uh, I see Brother Troy Hughes here. I think there's a special need, and we'll be praying for him as well, if you would. Remember that, Brother Troy Hughes. Prayers. Um, the Whitlock family is not with us today, so if you'd remember them in your prayers as well. Amen. And several very special needs here, burdens that we've had on our heart, and we want to continue to pray for these folks. Uh, keep Brother Tim Aslong in your prayers, amen, and what he's been going through. Also, if you would continue to remember Brother Burley Williams, he's on the road to recovery, still going through some issues, and if you just remember his needs in prayer. And also, very special need for Brother Joe Paschal. Uh, Brother Barry may have some more to say of that. But if you would remember him in your prayers. We're certainly remembering Brother Johnny Reynolds in prayer. Uh, I believe he has surgery preparation on the 20th. Is that correct? And then surgery on the 23rd. So if you would remember Brother Johnny in your prayers, that God would intercede. God, the physician's hands. Amen. Do you have special needs on your heart? And I have some on mine, Amen. and God knows them. So let's pray together. Come now, Brother Mark. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, it's good to be in your house this morning, Father. To feel your presence, Lord, that man can't bring that, Father. It has to be a sovereign God that comes, Lord, and blesses his people like you did today, Father. Lord, that sweet presence surely Lord it's without money and without price and man can't manufacture that Lord and we thank you for coming and your grace and your mercy for to us Father you through your blood Lord we can claim your promises Lord like we would, Lord, this morning for our brothers and sisters, Lord, who, who are sick, Lord, who undergoing surgery, our brother Reynolds and a different one, Lord, or brother Joe Pascal. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you come and through your, your mighty power, Lord, and the provision that you made and the promises that you made through your word, that if we should ask, that you would grant these things, Lord. And we come on behalf of these who have asked, Lord, for prayer, that you come and you will touch them, Lord, in these coming days. And Lord, Brother Burley and the different ones that was mentioned, Lord, you know each each one, Father. Lord, you know each heart, every lifted hand, the desire that's on each heart. We pray that you will grant it, Lord. And we know there's nothing too little or too big for you, Lord. We, as man, Lord, men, we, we quantify things, Lord. We say, well, uh, this is too easy or that is too hard or this is too little or that is too big. But with you, Lord, it's all the same, Father. 
And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you will come, like you did this morning in your sovereign grace and mercy. Touch us, Lord. Grant every need, Lord. And as this preacher come, Lord, no doubt he studied, Lord, and seek your, your will, Lord, of what he should bring to us, Lord. And you have given that, Lord. And help us that we may be attentive to what is said, Lord, and be obedient to your word, Father. Bless each one in your presence, Lord, those who are listening. May each one, Lord, get something, Lord, that will draw them closer to you and help us along this journey, Lord, until you take us home. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark. You may have your seats. I do apologize for making you stand so long. Amen. There's a special song request by uh, for uh, little Annie Godwin, and if they would be making their way forward, we'll sing a little worship song here as they're getting ready. Um, I sing praises to your name, King Jesus. I see to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. We sing praises, we sing praises to your name, oh Don't judge me yet, 
There's an unfinished part. He loves me as I am, and he helps me when I pray. Remember, he's the sound of crimson clay. blessing. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful special. Amen. I believe all hearts and minds are cleared. Let's all stand and we'll take up our morning offering just before the pastor comes forward to deliver the bread of life. Amen. There's a song on my heart when the music fades. thought we might sing that. <clears throat> Brother Mike Pritchard, you can lead us in prayer if you would, sir. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply call Longing just to bring Something that's worth That'll bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. Oh, oh I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of in this world, no one. How much you 
deserve Though I'm a weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath And I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required Search much deeper within to the way things appear. Into my heart, oh, singing now. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. Oh, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've been. It's all about you, oh yes, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you, oh it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, oh, yes, it's, it's all, all about you, Jesus. Once again, I'm coming back. Let's sing it again now. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, oh, it's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to come into your house, Lord. Father, we thank you that your presence is already so real among us. And now, as we, Lord, prepare our hearts for the most important part of this service. We ask, so oh God, that you would look at us through the blood of Jesus Christ and forgive us, Lord, of every offense and every sin, every word misspoken, anything, Lord, that we may have put in the way to hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. I pray, oh God, that you forgive us for that. And now, Lord, take complete control, we pray. I ask, oh God, that you take every spirit under your control for your glory. And May, Lord, when we leave here today, we say it's been good for us to gather in this place with your people. We know, Lord, whenever your people gather in your name, always something good happens. And so we ask and pray now that you would make the word very real, make it personal to every heart. And we'll give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. One more time. Let's sing the chorus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, all about you, yes it's all about Praise the Lord. Shake your neighbor's hand and say, God bless you, pilgrim. Welcome to the house of the Lord. You can be seated. We welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. Thank you, musicians, 
for your part and for all of you. Good to have all of you here uh, today. Good to have the Purdies here today. That's an unexpected blessing. Always is. Good to have the Cornets here today. Didn't know they were in town and uh, good to have them. My name is Barry Coffey, by the way. I'm the pastor here and uh, I come around every now and then and uh, glad to see all of you uh, today. We've got a lot of things that have happened since uh, I've been away and uh, just some unusual uh, train of events here that uh, happened here at the beginning of the year. I've been uh, starting off busy, but it's going to slow right down. So you're stuck with me now for the rest of the month. And, uh, oh well, uh, we'll, we'll go on anyway and say that uh, it's nice to be back. And um, we are honored to have... Uh, all of you here today with uh, some special announcements that we want to make. Officially, we want to welcome the Ashdowns here today. Uh, Jason and uh, Amy have been here and uh, moved in, settled in, already at work, and glad to have them. Sean uh, is here today, 16 years old, glad to have you, and Sister Heidi, God bless you. Uh, great to have you with us, and may the Lord bless you uh, among us here in at HBT. Uh, we also, too, uh, want to uh, announce officially that Ashley and Tyler tied the knot, sitting together legally in church now, and uh, that's great. We wish you all the very best, and uh, may God lead you and guide you, and uh, it's just a wonderful thing. You know, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's wonderful because you have young people that grow up together, and, and then they find one another, and... and uh, tie the knot, you know, he wilt thou, she wilts, and then <clears throat> then we have young families that grow, and that's, that's really nice. That's a, that's a sign that God says there is a tomorrow, and uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so little brothers become big brothers. Only children become one of many, like Hans down here. Who was an only child? And those days are soon ending. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can, Hans. <clears throat> Brother Mike Pritchard had a birthday on Saturday, right? Brother Mike is around somewhere, he's outside. Uh, we appreciate Brother Mike very much and uh, for who he is and all he does. Sister Jessie Cockman, right, has a birthday. God bless you, Sister Jessie. And Lincolnton Clayville has a birthday on the 13th, right? And he is somewhere. And uh, there he is. And uh, going to be 16 this year, right? You know what that means, right, Jeremy? Not for your wife, but we know what it means for Jeremy. January 14th is Hans's birthday. How, Hans, how old are you going to be this year? Five years old. Great to have Brother Hans with us today. And William Cross. Now, William, how old are you going to be this year? Six years old. Proud of it. <clears throat> so we wish all of you a special happy birthday. Brother Johnny uh, Reynolds, we want you to know we're keeping you in prayer for the surgery upcoming, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go forward. 
Also as well, Brother Joe Pascal. I talked to Brother Joe this morning, and Brother Joe has a, uh, a rare condition with his feet, uh, and he's going to be requiring surgery to get that repaired. Uh, Brother Joe is a, uh, a goer and a mover. He drives roughly 40,000 miles a year, uh, and he's gone from 40,000 miles a year to zero, uh, where he's got to keep his feet up, so they have not been able to come and, and be with us as often as they would like. But he's, uh, Lord willing, he's, they're pulling together all their paperwork and things and hopefully going down uh, to Duke uh, to get some uh, prep for surgery and to get that condition with his feet repaired. So it's a little complicated to describe, but if you don't mind just remembering that need in prayer, uh, Brother Joe would love to see that uh, behind him for sure. Also, Sister Emma uh, is not here today. She's not been feeling well. Great to have Brother Ben here. He was delayed last night coming in from uh, Phoenix and got tied up in Houston. And so uh, we're glad to have him back with us uh, today. Also, Brother Melvin Tate uh, from Florida, from Sam Price's, uh, Stan Price's Church. Yeah, God bless you, Brother Melvin. Good to have you with us uh, tonight. We are going to have our communion service tonight. It'll be at 4 o'clock. Remember, for those of you that are streaming, we don't stream our communion service, and we just are going to do our communion service as, uh, as, as always. But we're going to change the way we do it a little bit physically. We're going to change the way that we do it to make it a little bit more streamlined. So uh, we'll let you know those changes tonight. Uh, I want to say uh, officially as well that I enjoyed that special this morning, Annie. Uh, great job. I, I was hoping I was, would be here for that special, so uh, we appreciate that very much. Now, uh, winter youth retreat. Uh, Grace, when it, where's Grace? Come on up, Grace. Let's, let's have a little, uh, let's have a little test, word of testimony here uh, tonight, this morning. Before we, I flew in from Phoenix yesterday, so I'm still somewhere. Sister Grace. You just came back from the 30th Winter Youth Retreat. Besides the food being fantastic, how else did you uh, find the retreat? What, tell us what stood out to you. Um, this was my third year at Winter Youth Retreat, and I really enjoyed it. I think what stood out to me was all of the sessions and services really flowed well together. And to me personally, it was some of the best teaching I've ever heard for young people. It was really, really edifying. Outside of what you hear. Yes, here, outside here. of here. <laughs> just just one <laughs> Um, it really helped us to just recenter ourselves going into the new year. Um, and I think another thing about retreat that always stands out to me is you really, from the first service, you can feel the anticipation and the sincerity of the young people. And I think it was really evident that everyone was there for the right reasons and wanting to, you know, pull together. And there was a real sense of family and fellowship among us. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, good. Wonderful. Thank you, Grace. Joe. Yeah, come on up. Everybody enjoyed the services, and uh, everybody commented on them and the uniqueness of it. I mean, just a unique group of ministers and a unique mm-hmm. group of kids. How did you find the retreat this year? It was great. Um, yeah, like you said, the, and like Grace said, the services were amazing. Uh, I was blessed by each one. I uh, really enjoyed Brother Rapp, his uh, ministry, what he brought, um, and just the overall how you did. You did great, Brother Barry. Thank you. Yeah, it was a... <laughs> Solid job. Um, but yeah, the, the ministry was good. The, it was really good. It was a blessing, mostly for the new year, to be able to come into this year and uh, have that and go, bring it with me. So Good. Yeah. And uh, anything stand out, any particular service, any particular thing that really stood out? 
Yeah, um, it was Brother Rapp's second morning service yeah. about uh, the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost and how uh, you know when that change is and how you can see yourself before and after and uh, what that looks like. And he just uh, really said a lot of good things about it. So. Yeah, good. Excellent. All right, Sister Madeline, come on up here. This was her last retreat. Come on up here. I know she was all prepared uh, with a statement here. That was her last retreat this year, and uh, Rap, uh, Brother Rap did two services, and one of the second one was on uh, the new birth and baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it was just really wonderful teaching, really good. We're going to make it available. Now, Sister Madeline, you go ahead and take that. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Uh, this was your last retreat. Mm-hmm. How many retreats have you been to before? Three. Three. So this is my third. your third. What'd you think? It was really good. Why? Um, I really enjoyed Brother Craig's service on the will of God mm-hmm. and how sometimes you might not necessarily have like something that you, sometimes you're just called to be a supporter and that's just as important, just as important as the gift. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to me. Wow. It's a really good service. What else stood out? Um, I really enjoyed like the devotionals. Those are really good. Who was your devotional leader? Uh, Brother Kyle. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay. How's engaged life? It's good. You notice she's standing here like she's st- the whole time she's standing here. I don't know if that's... Okay. Engaged life is good. Micah's gone home? Okay. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Madeline, appreciate it. I just noticed that. You know why? <clears throat> All right. Uh, Coming up in our, uh, in our month here, at the end of the month, 4 p.m. on January 28th, and this should just be our second service, um, the 29th. The 28th is a Saturday. So the 29th, uh, the 28th, we're going to be praying for the service on the 29th. <laughs> and uh, it's just to be our second service. And we've done, uh, sorry, we've done our uh, little series uh, on, on the Christian family, and uh, I wanted to add another one to it, and, and we want to deal with the subject of the independent years. And uh, I've always taught when it comes to marriage that children affect a marriage when they come into it and when they go out of it. And I, I've never specifically dealt with the going out part. And so uh, I want to I deal with that. This is a statement that Brother Brandon made in 1964. He said, uh, talking about his childhood, he said, Dad had a saddle, and I get that old plow horse and get all my brothers and set them around the fence. I was the oldest of nine. He said, I was really a cowboy. And I'd read too many magazines, is all. And I let my brothers believe that I was a real cowboy, so I thought I was. And when I got about 18, I slipped off from home and went off to Arizona. And they needed me to break horses. That's what he was thinking. I'm sure of that, they mu- so I must leave home. And underage, he said, but I slipped off and I happened to get to Phoenix just in time for the rodeo. So here's Brother Branham talking about his own experience of leaving home at that early age there. Now, Brother Branham was, uh, in, in some ways, he was a wage earner or a provider for the family. And so this must have been, he makes, he makes a very small, simple statement here, but this must have been uh, quite an event for his parents uh, and his whole family, because they depended on him so much there in those early years. We want to just dig into that a little bit, and we want to talk about 
what families go through in those years when kids get older, they graduate, and they begin to think about moving on and how we can deal with that. Um, just a, a note here for Israel, we finally have our price set. Uh, you can, uh, we're going to have a, a brochure here real soon uh, coming up November uh, 12th to the 21st. Uh, for Israel, be exciting this uh, this year for sure. So you will have more information on that. Last thing I want to show you: uh, when uh, the f- young people here are referring to the retreat, uh, Brother Rap did two sermons. Rap Crook did two sermons in the mornings, and the first one was on pop culture, and uh, it dealt with uh, some of the influences that happened through social media and the internet and uh, lifestyles in Laodicea. And talked about how that, uh, in comparison to the people who were taken off into captivity, how that affected them, how it affected their thinking. And they were not held because of bondage. They were held because of pleasures in Babylon. And it's a, just a really interesting perspective. And so I wanted, I, I was sitting there thinking, um, meeting, I was just listening in the back there, was, uh, trying to keep up making notes here. And then I thought to myself, why did I get? Why don't we get him down uh, to talk about this subject and have all of the parents attend this? And this would be the primary thrust. But all of you other people can come along too, because it was profitable for everybody to hear. But for parents, they they need to be exposed to some of the language of things that are taking place here. And this was, I I thought, really profitable. So we're going to have three services on that weekend. And uh, we're going to have Brother Rapp do, and he does a two-part for this uh, as well. And then Brother Chris Take. Brother Chris has been here before uh, from out in... uh, out in uh, God's country, out there in Idaho. And um, Brother Chris and I have been talking for a long time about uh, pulling together a service uh, to young people and parents as well uh, about some of the issues related to social media and computers and all the rest of it. And that's his, that's his trade. That's what he does. And uh, he's raising a family himself, and he was expressing some of the concerns that he sees as a parent in dealing with his kids at a young age and what they're already exposed to. And uh, I, I've asked him several months ago to pray about that and develop that and work that uh, into a presentation. And so I thought it'd be timely for both of them to come together. So we'll have three services on that, on that Saturday. So prepare for it. Uh, Saturday night, two on Sunday. And uh, everybody's eligible to come, all right? Everybody's welcome to come. Uh, but if you wanted to have, uh, you know, a babysitter or something, you know, you should be uh, thinking about that before we... Uh, get down to that time. But I think it'll be really edifying for all of you here uh, to hear that. It was just a great blessing uh, for us during the retreat, for sure. So having said all of that, I'm going to ask you one more time, if you don't mind, to stand to your feet, and we're going to look in the Word this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about you, the glorious church. We're going to look at two places in Scripture. The first one is in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Now, I mentioned I was in Phoenix yesterday. Also, we were meeting there uh, dealing with vision books, and I'm gonna, I won't take time this morning to fill you in on some of the details, but uh, we will do that upcoming here when we get a little bit more time. But I wanted to turn our thoughts to the Word here this morning. In Ephesians chapter 5, we look there first of all. Heavenly Father, as we change gears now, we ask that you would just come and anoint the Word 
and anoint it to our hearts, Lord. Quicken it, we pray. We commit our time now for the balance of this service into your hands in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Husbands, love your wives, verse 25, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that should be holy and without blemish. Wow, what a privilege to be a part of that church. But what a challenge to stand there without any blemish in that church at all. May God have mercy upon us. Keep your Bibles open. You can be seated. Let's go to Isaiah, or sorry, Psalms we want to read in 61. Psalms 61. We find in Psalms here, David writes in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. That word shelter is the word I want to focus on here this morning. And I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. And I will trust in the covert of thy wings. The shelter of thy wings. So let's talk about this glorious church here this morning. And if, I, if nothing else, I want to uh, just deposit in your thinking a little principle here about faith uh, that will seem very simple at the beginning, but it really was a profound thing. And I, I was just uh, thinking on this and praying about the service today. And I, I, I always like to be in the uh, January 1st service uh, if possible at all, because we can, uh, you know, uh, pray in the new year and, and be together. This year, the retreat wound up ending on January 1st in the morning. So I appreciate the brothers that stepped in and uh, took the service for us and uh, heard uh, Wednesday night. I haven't heard it yet, but Brother Diggs did a, a great job on Wednesday night. And uh, I appreciate that so much. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to a, a pastor uh, as being uh, hearing the good reports of, of services here when I'm not here. Uh, that's, that's a part of my leadership to make sure that you're provided with good ministry uh, because if I have to be here every single service, I've failed somewhat in my role. Uh, the, church, uh, the church to me is, uh, is uh, becoming a mature church and uh, growing in grace and in knowledge. And I, hey, uh, I'm not trying to shirk my, my duty or anything. Uh, I love to be here more than anywhere else. But uh, there's sometimes that uh, duty calls and schedules, uh, you know, uh, conflict the way they do. And uh, I try to minimize. I have my whole year on a calendar put up in my office. It's a great big, uh, great big uh, year calendar, and I look at that very closely, and I pray over that, and I'm, I'm moving things around and uh, everything else because I try to minimize uh, my time away from the assembly here. Uh, <clears throat> but in, in saying that, I have listened to uh, some of the brothers in speaking and talking in the services here, and uh, just rejoice as you're rejoicing, and uh, so glad that uh, you know the sheep are being fed good things. 
But that's been the, uh, the story of the church over all of the ages. You know, it's just really a, a, a miracle. I mean, it's a blessing to be a part of this church. I don't know how you uh, feel about it this morning, but I'd like to start off the new year and say that uh, I'm glad I'm a part of the body of Christ. Uh, I'm very, very, uh, I feel very safe and I feel very content as a part of the body of Christ. I'm not looking for any other church. I'm not looking for any other movement. Uh, I'm not looking for any other, uh, you know, intellectual program or anything else. I'm glad I'm a part of the bride of Christ and uh, glad to be saved and glad to be confident in the, in the uh, redemption that uh, Jesus Christ has provided for us. I believe that if I died today by God's grace, if I died today, I'd know exactly where I was going. And when you have my funeral, if you ever, if you ever have a chance to have my funeral, uh, don't mourn for me because I'm gone, but, but rejoice because you know where I am. I'm, not also, I'm also not saying anything that you don't know uh, about either. But I will say this, that you know, through the Gentile church, it's not always been really smooth and it's not always been very clear uh, where the uh, Gentile church was heading, especially at the very beginning, because we find in the book of Acts, there's no book of Acts that's written prior to the book of Acts. There's no set of instructions given to the believers in the first age as to how to conduct themselves as now believers who are called uh, the, the church. Right? This was always called the nation of Israel. It was, the church was always called Jewish. The church was always uh, run a very different way. And all of a sudden, God births his church and sends them out, and they go forth into the world, and uh, they're preaching the gospel. And every single thing they do is brand new. Every single thing they do is unique, because this has never been done before. Now these are all Gentiles, and there are Jewish people that are mixed in with them. And they have a gospel of redemption. They have a story to tell. Uh, they have testimonies to give that are not like any other time in history. And this is just an amazing thing. And they come all the way through uh, from the foundation that Paul begins to organize and lay down and establish uh, in the early days. And comes all the way up through. And the church goes all through all kinds of things, uh, you know, over the ages here. The Dark Ages and then the Reformation with Martin Luther and uh, John Wesley's time and the Pentecostal time. Every age is unique. Every age is different. Can you say amen? And then we come to the very end of which we are familiar with and we are, uh, we are a part of this last days group where uh, God caps this body and seals this whole church together as a unit, not as seven different groups of people, but as a unit and then takes that bride away and they are forever with him in glory uh, throughout eternity. End of the story. Amen. And it's a... It's a beautiful story. It's a wonderful story. When you kind of condense it like that, uh, that's, it's, it's no trivial, even though I've condensed it quite, quite quickly here, uh, that's no trivial story. That's a, that's a story of, uh, God's people through the ages and all they went through to get to where they are and, uh, our story of, uh, where we are today. And right at the very end of things, we have an anticipation. Uh, we have an expectation, like Sister Grace said about, uh, you know, coming to the retreat and you, you're, you're expecting God, uh, to do something. And uh, I mean, if, if we can feel that way about one particular set of services, my goodness, how, how we should feel about uh, what lays ahead for the people of God. Because one day it's going to close down. One day it's going to shut down. And one day uh, Israel will come into the, into the limelight in a great way. They'll come into a, uh, they'll come into a, a position of glory uh, that they're not experiencing now, but they'll come into this place all of a sudden one day and the Gentile dispensation will be over. It's kind of like what it must have been in the days of Joseph back in the book of Genesis. 
And you remember back then when uh, the whole world was caught up in a, in, a, in a great famine. Go back a little bit. Where was all the emphasis and where was all the money and where was all the activity? It was not in Israel. It was in Egypt. Right? That was, that was the kingdom of the day. That was the superpower of the day. And Joseph was running that kingdom and everything was changing over the 14 years that he ran the program. And all the emphasis in the world was not on Israel because they were just really a scattered bunch of tribes under Jacob who were living uh, in the wilderness there. They were not even thought of, not even heard of. And then all of a sudden, at an appointed time, God brings Israel in on the scene and all there, there they are. And God identifies them. And from that point on, uh, the world knows who Israel is. The world knows who Jacob is. Because now Jacob, sorry, Joseph is discovered as a Jew, Jewish person himself and uh, everything changes. And God can do that. God can have something in the wings. God can have something out here that nobody notices and all of a sudden bring them in. And, the, and, and everybody's view in the world changes of this uh, particular situation, right? God had a, a, a prophet born out there in Kentucky. And let me tell you, the world was not on red alert when Brother Branham was born. Nobody knew. Nobody really cared, right? It was just a random other, another baby in a little town in Kentucky somewhere. But all of a sudden, when he steps on the platform uh, of, of his ministry, when he steps into that light that God shines for him, the whole world is never the same again. And God can take something in obscurity and bring it into a place of uh, prominence and use that, uh, use that event to change the world. God does things like that. And here we are now in the very last day, the very end of things. And uh, God's winding up with us. God's using us to take the whole uh, Gentile church across the finish line. I'm preaching, I believe, uh, to people, whether they're just young people here or not, we don't know. But I'm, I believe I'm preaching to people who are going to take this message, take this bride across the finish line without death and enter into that kingdom on the other side. And they will be alive. They will not see death, but they will be alive. And they will be gathering on the other side. And all those that have died through the ages will assemble together in that great glorious gathering over there on the other side. And let me tell you, they'll, uh, they'll be a people who know how to sing. They'll be a people who know how to rejoice. They'll be a people, uh, there'll be nobody falling asleep in that gathering. They will be, uh, they will be so excited because now it, it's over. It's all over and we are here. We've arrived. And there's nothing but glory and nothing but beauty and nothing but harmony that lays ahead of us. It'll be a fabulous time. Nothing, no reason for us not to rejoice because we do believe that's going to happen. Amen? We believe that's going, going to be exactly the way that it is. And so here we come now to the very end of the ages. And I, I, I want to say this and I want to minister on this and I want to bet the ranch on this. That's not a good term to use in the pulpit here. But I want to lay all of my eggs in this particular basket here. That we are at the end of the ages in what Brother Branham described as the bride age. And what God has given to us in this bride age is for the going home of that bride. The going home of that glorious church. And this is what he said. And he said it about seven times in the last of his ministry. And I really do believe that God was signaling to the bride of Christ that we're turning a corner here. This is not, uh, this is not the way that it was in, in the church history. But now we're coming into a specific time where God is ministering to the bride and getting her ready to leave this world. The word that fell on the day of Pentecost, it will not work in this day. That was for Pentecost. But this is for the bride. The going home of the bride. Say it with me. This is for the bride. This gathering today is for the bride. All right, now the rest of you say it. This is for the bride. This, I believe God has preserved this for the bride. 
not necessarily this church building, but this message and the word that uh, God has left in season since uh, Brother Branham's passed away and gone, but this word is still in season. Do you believe that? This message is still right. This message is still worth quoting. And I believe there's a word for our day because there's a word for every age. And I believe that God made, God left this for the bride of Christ. And this is for the going home of the bride. So God put everything we have need of for our go, or for our home going message of the hour. He put something special in there. And I believe that in time, uh, God is able to quicken it in such a way that we'll not be able to contain it, but it will actually pull us into another dimension. I believe that with all my heart. And I want to minister on that a little bit more as we go ahead this year, because he said, we got something different. The Pentecostals represented that. Uh, again, he says, but we're in the bride age. Say it with me. We're in the bride age. That's important. Now, <clears throat> Brother Branham, in this service, in this service here at True Vine, uh, 1955, he was talking about uh, not in a derogatory way, but he was he was talking about believers in other countries. Great to have Brother Tim uh, Ashong here this morning. Came in a little uh, late. God bless you, sister. Good to have you with us uh, again today. Uh, Brother Branham's talking about folks in Africa. He's talking about people in Europe. And uh, in, uh, in, in third world countries around the world. And he's describing how that uh, when, some, when God does something in their midst, he said he doesn't need to do it 10, 15, 25, 100 times. He said he can just come and do it once. And the people say that has to be God. And they just embrace that and go forward. And, and he talks about the, the simplicity uh, of, of their believing, but also, too, he talks about the environment they're coming out of. Now, follow me here as I say this. I'm leading to something, to something here. Brother Man was talking about the environment they come out of. He said, you know, like in Africa, and I will tell you, it's, it's the same today. It hasn't changed at all. That there are, there are no uh, social programs in place in the vast majority of countries in the world where if somebody, for instance, gets injured at work and can't make a living, there's no such thing as workman's compensation. Well, there's no such thing as being on uh, uh, disability. Disability is an American concept. There's, uh, you remember the brother that, brother Robert that we helped uh, a couple of years ago in the church. He lives in Tanzania, lives in Arusha. He's not a part of brother Elias's church, but, uh, he was on the, on the scaffolding on the roof working there and fell through. You remember that? And fell down, broke his leg, had a spiral fracture. And we helped to get him to get the surgery done and, and so forth. If we had, if he had not had that surgery, uh, his family would be considered destitute in that country because nobody would, he would not be able to go to the government and apply and say, hey, I've been injured on the job, so, uh, you know, is there a disability income I can get from my family? Wouldn't happen that way. His wife would be forced to uh, go out and work and try to provide a meager living for the rest of the family. And Brother Tim is shaking his head back there. That's exactly true. Uh, you know, there's, there's no other resources there. So when somebody comes along, and I'm saying that because when somebody comes along and offers hope uh, to the people like Brother Bram did in his ministry, where God came on the scene and demonstrated the ability to supernaturally heal the people who, uh, who saw that, they, they would look at that and, and embrace that very simply and say, my goodness, that's what we have need of. We have no other resource. Lord, we are entirely dependent on you. Unless you come and help us, we are what we are. 
They're in that position. And so when they see that, they embrace it. And as a result, Brother Mams, you know, could come into a meeting and uh, to be three or four demonstrations of the supernatural. And then everybody, he'd say, all right, everybody, stand on your feet and go home. And he said, they'd all get up out of the wheelchairs and cots and they'd walk home and they'd be all healed because they saw it and they just embraced it. Brother Bram describes that in detail prior to this paragraph right here. But then he says, but in America, he says, we've been drugged through every school of theology and one vice versa from another one. Well, my pastor says that this guy's a devil. The other one says, well, that's not the Lord. I'll tell you that. And the people, he said, don't know what to believe. You believe God's Bible. That's the thing that's right. I like that. Brother Bram says, you should believe God's Bible. How many, how many would agree with that? That's what's right. Well, let me say this. Even since you come in the message, how many of you have changed something you believed when you first came in? Uh, that wasn't God's problem. You know what that was? You had an open mind and you began to learn and you began to grow, right? The thing is, the Bible is still saying the same thing that it said when you came in. But now your thinking is adapted more. It's, it's been transformed and it's more like what it is that God has said in the first place. And he said, you believe God's Bible. That's the thing that's right. He said, let every man's words be a lie. My word be truth. And if God says it in his word and he produces it and believes it and goes on, he said, forget the rest of it and just let God be truth. You know what? I would not relegate that advice back still back to 1955. I'd say that's good advice still today. Because there, because God's word is still true, I believe that. But the other part is also true that there are different and sometimes conflicting and sometimes antagonistic opinions among people about what is right and what should be emphasized and the way we should do this and the way we should do that. And there are a lot of people that are kind of thinking, well, you know what, I'm just not sure at all. And I'm not sure about the message. And it's not because the message is wrong. It's because of what people are saying about the message or what, the way people are interpreting the message. Is that all right? And, and so that, this problem is still a problem today. But it, it really is a good thing and it's a cautionary thing for us to make sure uh, that we stay with what we know is true. But it's even more critical when you come down to the end because we have to make sure that we're on the right track. And when it comes to the last day, because the people who are in the right position, believing the right things, and they're in the right spot, you know what? They're the people that are going to cross over and go to the other side. I said it that way on purpose. Hold on now as we look at this. So when we boil it down, Brother Branham said we came to the end of the ages. We went through the church ages. We went through the uh, seals and everything else. We went through the uh, different series that uh, he preached there as God was leading him to the place in 1963. Stop. Where God was uh, leading him to this place where it came to March 63. And he knew something extraordinary and supernatural was going to happen. And it was the opening of the seals, that little series. That changed everything for him. It opened the book that had been sealed. I'm not doing that. And Lincoln, if you're doing that, it's, it must be on some sort of timer. The seals were broke. And the lamb broke the seals and revealed them to his church in order to collect his subjects for his kingdom, his bride. He wants to bring his subjects to him right now. So this is the beginning of the now, 1963 here. This is the beginning of that process of taking the bride to himself. So whatever it is that God placed in these seals here, that 
that contains what's necessary to get the bride from here to him. Would you agree? We're going we're gonna to look into this a little bit more coming up this year. But God wants to bring his subjects to him now. The way he decided to do that was to put uh, that, that whole program inside the opening of the word. So that when that unfolds, that would cause the bride to come to him. And not only come to him as, as in a closer walk, but come to him as in actually in that kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? God decided that the way I'm going to get this church from here to there is going to be embedded in the word. It's going to be embedded in the word. It's going to be found in the word of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to give them that word through a prophet, which is the proper channel. And I'm going to put rapturing faith in that. I'm going to weave it with rapturing faith so that when these people become one with that word, wherever that word goes, that's where that bride will go. And one day, this will actually draw them into that kingdom over there, and we shall be gone. Do you believe that? <clears throat> if you don't believe that, it's probably because you've been in, in church too long. You kind of feel like where we meet God is here at church. Let me tell you, all of that is a preamble. All of that is a prerequisite for one day meeting God in that place physically and literally so that you don't have to close your eyes and speak to him anymore. You can open your eyes and see him face to face. That's what he longs for. He doesn't long for you to be here forever. He longs for you to be there forever. And this is how he's getting that done. He's bringing his bride to him now through the opening of the word. I would like to say this. I believe that there's no single individual who is any kind of a global authority in this world when it comes to the message. I believe the word itself is the authority. There is no personality. Mine yours, or any other individual minister who God has identified that has a word that's going to change your body, that word is already here. And to me, rise or fall, sink or swim, friend or no friend, if we disagree with that word, that becomes your enemy. Whatever it is that disagrees with the word of God, that becomes your enemy. And so therefore, uh, even though we treat all men with grace, let me tell you something, if we're going to make it, I believe we have to stay with the word. And I view the word as a global authority as to what's right, what's wrong, what we should believe, and what we should not believe. I believe that's, that's the thing that unveils Christ. I believe that's the thing that unveils me in Christ. I believe that's the thing that contains rapturing faith. I believe that's the thing that's got the power to change my body. Come on, somebody say amen. I believe that's the thing that's powerful enough to overcome gravity and everything else that would hold us back. I believe that's the global authority today. The global authority is not a man. The global authority is not some church. The global authority is not some minister. Let me tell you, the global authority today is the Word of God. And that's the way we should look at it, and that's the way we should treat it. I think it's a shame that there are people who are detracting from the absolute and defining things as an absolute in their own opinion. That's a dangerous, dangerous piece of ground to be standing on. I'll tell you what, I think we should stand on the global authority that God absolutely established. And when he vindicated Brother Branham and that ministry, he removed all doubt because that's what vindication is. Vindication is the process of removing all doubt that you're actually hearing from God. That's a simple way of saying it. But you know what? I believe that Brother Branham fulfilled Malachi 4. Not because I think he's a great fit, but because God vindicated that. And when he vindicated it, he removed all doubt as to whether that is the fulfillment of that. It is. Jesus said, search the scripture, right? For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. The word speaks of its own. 
And so therefore, now we come to this one. From here, from this place, from the new birth to the change of our bodies, we go to a place. But let me tell you, all of that is about this life. And again, that's not the goal. That's not the, that's not the destiny. The destiny is to be in that other place over there, right? The destiny is to get over there. So God has given us everything that we have need of uh, for, for this life, according as his divine power has given us to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That's how you live so differently than when you were out in the world or when you were unconverted, because you didn't know him. Now that you know him, you live differently. But that is, again, that is how uh, we are to live in, in this world. But we're not really living fully. We're not really fully living the supernatural life here, right? Because we still struggle with a scratch. We have to scratch the earth to make a living. When we get over there, you won't have to do that. Still got to go to work. Still got to get up in the morning. Still got to, you know, kill something and drag it into the cave and feed the family. We were all still doing that, born again or not, right? We're still doing that. All of those things still carry on just as they were. And these things, and we're now guided by principles that are different than how we used to be guided by because now we believe the word and, and that's a very important thing. That shapes our understanding and our uh, whole uh, manner of living, right? Because now uh, it's not all about me and me getting all that I can. Now it's about me living here. I realize my purpose is more than just to make a salary. My purpose is to serve God here, right? To live for the king. Be a representative or an ambassador of the kingdom. I'm an ambassador with Marriott. You know that? You didn't know that. They, they, they made me. I didn't ask for this. They made me an ambassador. And that means that uh, by virtue of just staying too long in Marriott, I, I, I now have that, I have that on my card. I, I could show you. I could show you my card. And it says ambassador. So I represent Marriott, believe it or not. I re- they let me represent, and I'm not even a Mormon, but I represent Marriott uh, wherever I go. And they, they made me a permanent member of the, of the program there, which is, which is something. So, uh, you know, there, there's definitely benefits of that. There are definitely uh, perks that they throw in. I didn't buy them. They just, they just threw these perks in. Uh, but I am I'm literally uh, representing uh, Marriott as a person, you know, when I talk about it or when I go stay there. When I go to another country, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador uh, of, of the United States. And I tell people who come with me when we travel overseas, you're, you're a representative. You're a representative of uh, the U.S., number one. You're a representative of, of uh, uh, your family when you get over there. But more importantly, you're a, you're a representative of the Bride of Christ. And, and even, we'll go as far as to say, you're a representative of this church. And you're a reflection of my ministry, whether you like it or not. You, don't get a, you, don't, you kind of don't get a choice about that. And so what you do, how you conduct yourself, what you post is a reflection. And you know what? It's entirely up to you if you post. But don't post something that becomes a negative reflection on the kingdom. Don't post stupid things that become a negative reflection of the message. I get enough bad publicity. Don't post things that make me look bad. There's enough people out there doing that. You have a responsibility. 
as a, as a, as a Christian, as an ambassador, as a representative of the kingdom, you have, you have a responsibility. Hold on now. But I want you to look as well at what Brother Branham said about this church. Now, this is way back in 1953. And he said, now, God's loosening up the church everywhere. He's loosening up the church and getting in order now so he can get into the rapture and give it rapturing faith before it can go. In order to go, we've got to have rapturing faith. In order for that to happen, God's got to loosen everything up. Now, we, there's lots of different ways we could just talk about loosening up, but uh, I know this, that when a uh, farmer, when he's going uh, pl- uh, 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 to plant seed, when he's going to uh, put his spring crop in there, he's probably not going to take the cedar and go out on the field where it's just hardened over from all the fall and the winter and the snow and the snowpack and the rain and all that comes in spring and just drop the seed on the ground. You know what he's going to do? He's going to break it up, right? He's going to loosen it up. And then he's going to take the cedar and he's going to scatter all that seed and, uh, or driller and he's going to drill that down and get it in there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be much more effective if he loosens up that thing first because he's got something to plant in there and he's got something to grow. Uh, so, all right, we can apply that to our situation and say uh, that uh, God, in sending a prophet, Brother Branham certainly didn't uh, pack down our ideas about everything. Brother Branham kind of tore it all up, Right. Because you know what? Everybody just about was all packed down on what happened in the Garden of Eden. We were all kind of standing on that and everything was pretty firm until he came along. And then he kind of turned the whole field over and uh, did a really extraordinary thing about serpent seed and the teaching of it. Oh, literally, it just tore everything up. But you know what? God was doing that for a purpose because he had something to plant in, in that ground. He had, he had truth to plant in that ground, right? So in order to get the right thing in, you got to loosen this thing up first, and that's when growth begins to occur. But also, too, we could say it this way, that uh, when it comes to loosening up, uh, it, it also would mean that um, the world is going to have to loosen its grip on me, because we're talking about rapturing faith. So, all right, so the world's got to give way. It's got to let go. But also... I've got to let go of the things I formerly held on to tightly. And I'm going to loosen up on that. And there there are things that I I really thought, you know, I really wanted to have. And I really, these are my ambitions or these are my goals or these are the things that I I really want to have. And I want to have a a certain kind of a job or a certain kind of an income or a certain kind of uh, association with people even. And God is saying through his spirit, I believe that in order to get this people ready, he's saying to every one of us in his own way, you, you ought to loosen up on that a little bit. You ought to let go of that. And you come to church and somebody preaches on something and say, uh, you know what, your looks are really not all that important. You kind of ought to let go of that a little bit because, uh, you know what, I got news for you. God's looking for the inner man to look better than the outer man. And look at Brother Barry, the outer man fails eventually. So loosen up on that. Loosen up your thinking on that. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? There are, there are, also, I guess we could say that, that Satan's doing the opposite in the world because he's having people to clamp down on things. Or they're, they're, I would say that there's a lot of people more bound by stuff today than ever before. Amen. There are more things that will capture you now. 
that will bind your thinking and, and uh, hold on to you more. Now, uh, you know, there, there are drugs out there that all you need is one encounter with them. And you know what? You're not loose anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nod your head or do something. And, and yeah, I mean, there, there are, back in my day, a lot of the stuff that, that we partook, partook in, a lot of it was just a joke. Right? I mean, you know, it was just guys being guys, young adolescents, didn't know anything and didn't have a lick of sense and so forth. But now that's different. You can have one encounter with a girl or a boy. You can have one uh, involvement with drugs of certain kinds out there. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, involved in certain things. And you know what? You've lost your freedom all of a sudden. You can be bound by stuff. There are lots of stories of people uh, that, that in, I was reading, I'm reading a book now. It's about our area and the drug problem that's there. I mean, it just blow your mind to see people innocently get involved and, and friends, maybe going along with friends at a party or something. And, and just amazing how many people are bound by things today. I mean, there's more now than there ever has been. In our world, there are all kinds of addictions and all kinds of things that people will get caught up in. And you know what that is? That's the opposite of what God's trying to do. God's trying to loosen us up and Satan's trying to bind everybody down. He's trying to hold everybody back so they don't go anywhere. But God is saying, I've got a group of people that I want them to go somewhere and watch what I can do right in the middle of Satan's Eden. I can cause Satan to loosen up on those people. And I can encourage my people to let go of some things they once held very valuable. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You shouldn't, you shouldn't shake your fist at God if you lose interest in worldly things. You just let God loosen things up around you. And he says, you watch in the next paragraph, he said, the people in the world, they're in the spirit of the last days, just like in the days of Noah, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, unconcerned, don't care. They're going right along and they figure, hey, you know, if something drastic needs to be done, I'll do it then. I'll get around to it. I'll, I'll, I'll get on that after a while, you know, but I, I don't think it's kind of serious enough now. You know why? Because they're looking at the current generation. They're looking at the natural uh, dimension of things. Let's say that they're looking at the natural dimension of things. And they're saying, hey, you know, we still got a job, still got money coming in. It's, it's, the, it's the pleasures and the benefits of living in this, in this world that kind of give people the sense that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Now that we have a speaker in the house, hey, everything's going to be all right. You know, it's going to be all right. We just roll on here. <laughs> Bye-bye, Nancy, you know, and hey, good times. Can I go just a little further? Brother Branham says, this is what he's saying in the token now. I'm looking for. He's not saying I'm going to bring this to you. He's not even saying I'm going to produce this. But I'm looking for a time when the Spirit of God in the last day that we're living in. He said, for another surge of the Holy Spirit. Tell me who caused the original surges of the Holy Spirit. You know, like a 1906 Pentecost. Who caused that? People didn't go to church that day and say, you know what, today, why don't, we, why don't we agree we're going to do this? They didn't do that. They were in there and the Holy Spirit surged into that place and caused them to manifest these gifts that were there. Or whether it was Martin Luther rising up in his day or any other age or any other time, the surging, the moving of the Holy Spirit is a sovereign thing. That's what the Holy Spirit decides to do and it's done in the time the Holy Spirit decides to do it. 
And so Brother Bram's saying, you know what? There's got to be another one. There's got to be at least another one. There may be more, but there's got to be at least another one, a surge of the Holy Spirit. Why? Next line. For a rapturing faith just before it comes. So just before our bodies are changed, look out. There'll be a surge come. You know what you want to be doing? You want to be standing on the right beach. What a shame to be standing on the wrong beach and surges happening over here. You want to be on the right beach, right? Lord, I want to be under that wave. I want to be a part of that wave. Lord, flow over me. Fall over me, Lord. Lead me to where you want me to be. Do you get it? He's, he's actually saying, he's, he's, and this is in the token now, and, and he's saying, I'm looking for this, this surge to come into the church, not just upon the church, but in the church. And he says, for rapturing faith. And that's going to really make uh, uh, rapturing faith move from this level to this level. We all know that rapturing faith is in the message. We all know it lays here, right? But you know what? I think it's going to take a surge of the Holy Spirit to really make that come alive. Because you're not making it come alive now. Because you know what? If you did, you'd be gone. I know you're not. Because if you could make the rapturing faith work to its full extent, your body would be changed. Come on, don't feel bad. I've tried myself a lot of times. We can't do that. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take another surge of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit... God's not finished with this message yet. I believe he's got it laying there. And one day he's going to surge right on the people that believe this message and have that word embedded in their heart. And I'll tell you what, when that flows over you, rapturing faith will mean a lot more to you then than it does now. It'll be so powerful. It'll actually draw you right out of this dimension into another dimension. And he said, and everything's sitting right in order for that. God's, God's moving things around. And I believe that we're now right at a time that the word should have preeminence. You know, I mean, think about this, other surges, right? Let's go back to the early church. And here's uh, the early church coming out of the upper room, and they're like, one of them, I'm one of them. I don't know what that means, but I'm glad I can say I'm one of them, right? And they're out there, and and God says, now, as a part of this, I'm going to raise up a man. Common sense would tell you, you look for somebody who was in the upper room, right? But God says, no, I'm going to go find Saul of Tarsus. And he picks Saul of Tarsus, and then uh, God, God raises up that one man. Then a surge comes into the early church, and all of a sudden now, Paul says, well, well, let's set this in order, and let's set that in order. Let's have communion now, not Passover. Let's have communion, and let's have uh, teaching on justification now, not just uh, sprinkling the, the tabernacle now. Paul says, as a matter of fact, we're, we don't even have a building anymore that we assemble around. You know what? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of God. And, and all, all of a sudden now there's a surge of teaching that comes into the early church. Would you agree? There's all of a sudden now a new wave of teaching. Come on. And, and Peter is teaching and Paul is teaching. And what is that? That's a result of a surge of the Holy Spirit moving on these men and setting things in order and getting everything ready. Oh, God, give us, an, give us a surge. But Lord, help me be in order so I'm in the right place when that surge comes. I I feel like I'm just saying what he said because he said, I'm looking for this to break forth. I'm looking for this like a a sunrise to break forth. And one day it will happen. Now, let me just just, uh, give you something to think about. I'm not going to be long, so I want you to stay with me here. A lot of times when we say things like this, we naturally go into this mode of, well, I got to do this and I got to do something else. I got to do that. 
I will tell you, I believe with all my heart, and more and more do I rest in this, that God's got this already figured out. He knows, he knows when that last surge is going to come. And he knows where everyone should be for that last surge. He knows where everybody should stand for that last surge, to be included in that last surge. I believe that God already knows that. And uh, I, don't, I don't find anywhere in the message, at least where I've studied, and I've studied it all, I, I, don't, I don't know anywhere where God said, figure this out. And when you get it figured out, it's all going to, all of a sudden, pop, it's going to happen. He never gave us the responsibility to make this rapture happen. He never gave you the responsibility to come to the place where you change your, your body, get it all right, and then your body will be... He didn't do that. What I do read, though, is that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll bring to pass everything that you have need of in the last day. And I will tell you something, saints of God, it ain't about you. It's about him and what he does among us. Stay with me, Morgan. Stay with me here. Watch this now. I know you are. Now, here's Moses here, and I, I, this puzzled me, believe it or not. This puzzled me because I wondered how could God tolerate some people kind of like arguing with him. Now, there's some people didn't have success with that, right? Uh, you know, there's some people that got, got dead real fast when they argued with God. But there's some people who kind of had this thing with God. And Moses answered and said, <laughs> but they won't believe me. Moses, I want you to go, no, hey, listen, they won't believe me. I'm telling you, they won't believe me. And they will say, oh, the Lord has not sent you. And the Lord said unto him, well, what's that in your hand? That's it. Lord, uh, uh, Moses, I... Now's the time for deliverance. I want you to go. I ain't no way. I, there ain't no way. They're not going to believe me. God says, huh, maybe I got the wrong guy. No. Ah, oh, I didn't give him a, a book of rules on how to deliver people from Egypt. He didn't do that. God just says, what do you got in your hand? He says, uh, my stick. Really? It's all I got. Well, he says, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Let's just see what I can do with that stick. You got a minute, Moses? You got an extra minute I can show you? In other words, he, he doesn't say to Moses, thou shalt not argue, my son. He doesn't say that. He just says, hey, what you got? I got a stick. Great. How, I'll tell you what. Um. Tell you what you do with that stick. Throw it down. He throws it down. Turns into a serpent. Whoa. Pick it up. Really? Yeah, pick it up. He picks it up. Hmm, stick again. Not bad. Now, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> In a simple way, what was God actually telling Moses? What was God trying to get Moses to do? Think about it for a minute while I have this. 
He was simply, to me, he was, and this is what struck me. He was simply saying to Moses, hey, these are my people down there. All right? These are my people. They're not your people, Moses. You might be related to a few, but these are my people that are down there. And Moses also, or sorry, Abraham also was mine. And I made a promise to Abraham. And so I'm on the scene now fulfilling that promise to Abraham. So I am going to get them out. Okay? And so Moses, uh, I'll tell you what I want you to do now after the end of this whole stick thing and all of that. I want you to do one thing, and that is this. Trust me. I just need you to trust me that if I'm telling you to do this, chances are I've already got a thought out. Chances are I already know what kind of opposition you're going to face. Chances are I already know what you're going to need to pull this off. Trust me. I got this. That's really what he was saying to Moses. So, there's two things that jump out of this to me. Number one is faith in God's existence. Do you believe Moses had that? Sure he did. He met God several times. Heard God from a, about God from a youth. He believed that God existed. He believed that God was real. He believed that God knew uh, all about his whole path of life and his mother and saving out of the basket and all the other things in the history of the Jewish people. Moses believed in God's existence. That was not a problem. But faith in God's trustworthiness, that's something that he needed to grow in. Because now God was asking him to do something pretty extraordinary. Right? So it's like this, that God asks Moses, come right to the edge of the impossible. Now go ahead, take a couple of more steps. I mean, it, it, everything up to this point is possible. Come to the edge of the impossible. Everything out here is impossible. Come to the edge of that. Go on, make a couple of more steps. Do you trust me to make those few more steps? Oh, come on. Think about what it's going to be like for us in the last day. God's not going to ask you to change your body. He's going to ask you, to, he's going to lead us right to the edge of everything we know is possible and then say, go ahead and make that last step. Do you trust me? Those are two things. Faith in God's existence. How many of you believe in God's existence back here? Come on, let's see your hands. Do you believe that God exists? God's real? Sure. Do you trust God for that moment when he'll change your body? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it's easy in church. But none of you have had your body changed yet. None of you have got the government breathing down your back and closing churches and uh, discrediting the bride and every blog on earth and all the other things that can go wrong in a New York minute. And all of a sudden now, we're not the group that's left alone on Robinson Road, but now all of a sudden we're the group that's considered the off-scouring of our communities. Because we don't believe in the Trinity. And we don't believe in gay preachers and all the other things here. So all of a sudden in the New York Minute, things can be turned pretty quickly against this church here. And if you don't believe it, you can ask a couple of other pastors in this message here. But let me tell you, things can change pretty quickly. But God still, I believe, one day is going to say, go ahead, take another couple of steps. 
Now, now it's not so easy to take steps now anymore. It was back here because you know what? We got it and we got to here. Will I go to the youth retreat or not? Yeah, by faith I'm going to go. I didn't get married, but I'm going to go anyway. And you know, I, here we are now, all of a sudden at a point where it's not popular. All of a sudden we got nobody pushing you and there's people around you pulling back. What about if there's people around you? What about if you're, uh, you know, people in your family are walking away saying, uh, you know what, I, it, it don't make sense to go any further here. We're going to wait right here until uh, God does something here. Maybe God's just saying, you come to the edge of what's possible. You come to the edge of what's logical. You come to the end of what's normal. Now go ahead, just make a couple of other steps and watch what I do. And my question is, do you trust him for that? <clears throat> and little old Hattie Wright sitting back there and said, Brother Branham, that ain't nothing but the truth. And she said the right thing. She said the right thing. When she said that, the Holy Spirit, can we call this a surge? The Holy Spirit surged in that place and every one of them felt it. I talked to somebody who was there. Talked to somebody who was, you know, tied to the brothers who were in the room. And they said it was like there was so much physical pressure in that room. They were afraid to lift their heads. They were afraid to move because they thought they'd die right on the spot at the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not just a casual passing by. This is where he surges in on the scene and says, tell her whatever she wants, she can have. Whatever she wants, she can have. And every one of them felt it. And I raised up and I said, Sister Hattie, they'll say it to the Lord, you said the right thing, like the Phoenician woman said. She's sitting off by the kitchen wall. They're at the table. She's got the table set for them. They're having a little refreshment. She's sitting back by herself, little poor old woman, and sitting back there by herself. And all of a sudden, something in her heart agrees, not only with the presence of God, but now she agrees that God is able to, to raise up that little fish. That's the story Brother Bram's telling. He's telling the people in the house how that God raised up that fish after they pulled the fish hook out. And, you know, the fish was all dead and laying on the water there. And all of a sudden, you know, when he spoke that word, stood up in the boat and spoke the word, and that fish flipped over and <laughs> swims off like that. And he's telling that story. And something inside of her registers that and says, that ain't nothing but the truth. And doesn't even say it out loud. But the Holy Spirit reacts to that and surges in there. And God says, whatever you say, whatever that woman says, it's hers. She didn't even have a stick. So what have you got in your hand, Hattie? All I got's a promise. All I got's a, an amen. That's all I got. I got something in my heart that agrees with that word. Let me tell you something, people. You don't need to have a stick. You don't need to have a jawbone. You don't need to have anything else but a promise. If that's all you have in your hand, throw it down. Watch what God does with it. Throw it down. Let God, watch, watch how God will bring that promise to pass. Watch how God will make that promise live. I can make a stick live. I can make a promise live. Watch that. You have a promise that one day your body's going to be changed. Throw it down and just take that other little step and watch me bring it to pass. And I'll surge over you so that you'll not hold back, but you'll say the thing that's in your heart. Amen. And embrace that promise and watch what I do with that. You ready? 
God has sent us. He's talking about the fivefold ministry here to do this work. Lay hands on the sick. These shines shall follow and so forth. And here they are following. And God is no respecter of persons. And what he did for Hattie, he'll do for you. <laughs> Believe that? Oh, come on. Don't. Now is not the time to fade, by the way. Now is the time to say, wow, if that's really true. I got nothing to worry about. Because you know what? Sister Hattie didn't produce anything. All she did was agree with what was going on. She just agreed with what was happening in that realm. She agreed with what was not going on around her in the physical, but agreed with what was happening in that supernatural realm. She believed. She knew. She understood somehow. She, she accepted. She, she aligned herself with exactly what he said that is nothing but the truth and said it in her heart. And God just reacted that by surging over her. Let me tell you, how about if we came to a place where, uh, you know, you, you lost everything. We lost our building. We lost, uh, you know, all kinds of freedoms that we may think we have forever. And uh, you lose your, uh, your retirement. Whatever. I'm just saying whatever. I'm not a conspiracist. But whatever. Let's say we lost it all. But you know what? The only thing that you have left in your hand is a promise that one day we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. God says just just take a step based on that promise. Just go ahead and take a step. In the time of trouble I will hide you in my pavilion. Time of trouble. Hey, in in a New York minute we can be in a time of trouble like you've never seen before. None of us, none of us here have lived long enough to know what it's like to live in the Depression era, the Depression years. But I will tell you this, in my observation of the old people who did live in that era, even if they didn't live in 1929, but they lived in the era that followed them, they are still affected. They died with their behavior uh, modified a certain way because that was so bad. That was so bad. It affected children. It affected uh, middle-aged people. It affected old people. It affected everybody because it was so bad. And, and, and Brother Branham saying, oh, he says it's a depression. He says, you think that's bad? He said, wait till you see what's coming. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I can't think about what it's like because I've never lived through that. I've never lived through a war. I've never lived through a, a, a world war. I've never lived through a depression time. But just, just say, let's just say for a minute, let's just pretend that, uh, you know, we, we lost a lot of what we value so much and what we worked so hard to pile up. And all of a sudden it was gone. Kind of like the people in Ukraine. They, they work all their lives for their living and all of the things that they built up in their houses and everything else. And it's gone. In a month, it's gone. With no hope of probably ever going back the way that it was. Even if, they, even if Russia cracked off and fell into the Black Sea. Let me tell you, that, that place would be years, lifetimes before it ever became normal again. Imagine the anger that would be around you. Imagine all the feelings you'd have in your heart. Imagine all of the things that would surround America and, and all the things, all the institutions that failed and all the other things that happened because of an economy situation or because Los Angeles cracks off over there. I'm not trying to ruin your day. I'm just saying that uh, we, we, we realize that we're coming to a place where the backdrop is going to be a time of trouble such as the world has never seen. All right, I'm just telling you that. And I don't know what that's going to be like because if nobody's ever seen it, I'm kind of wasting time trying to describe it to you. Because we've never seen it before. But I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming because the prophet said it was coming. And I believe that when we come to that time, you're not going to have much left in your hand. You're not going to have a whole lot of things that you can rely on. And like, uh, you know, uh, God said to Moses, hey, I want you to go down. Hey, they're not going to listen to me. 
God may say to you, all right, now time to go a little further. What do you mean we're not allowed to do anything? God says, go ahead. What have you got in your hand? A promise. The only promise left is the one that we're going to be changed in a moment. In a God says, throw it down. All right, I'll take, I'll take, that, I'll take that other little step. We do not, I don't think any of us here really need to have the first, the number one kind of faith. The number one kind of faith was the faith in the existence of God. Pretty much most of us here got that down. Pretty much most of us here got that down that God sent a prophet, right? Are you okay with that? That's not the faith you're going to struggle with. The faith you're going to struggle with is your trustworthiness, the trustworthiness of God, whether we will trust him. Can I lean upon him to complete this? Can I lean upon him to take me all the way? Can I, can I go that extra mile? Let me tell you what Brother Branham said. There's more than the jawbone of a mule laying next to you tonight. He said, let's get up and do something about it. Let's forsake these old cots, wheelchair crutches, and so forth. It belongs to the devil, and I have no more to do with it. I claim Jesus Christ's word is right. See what he says? I claim his word's right. The circumstances are that there are people sick, stretchers. They've been told you're never going to walk again. You need a wheelchair. They've been told you're never going to hear again. You're deaf. Your nerve is dead. They've been told you'll never see. You're born blind. You don't even have eyeballs. They've been told this and told something else. And you know what? Brother Bram said, but I believe Christ's word is right. And as he stood out on that and as he took those steps, you know what? God honored that. And he says, I come to realize that Satan doesn't have any legal claim over us at all. None at all. If I ever hear of anybody, he says, in my meeting, ever making a pull or strain for money. He said, just pass the claim all you need to do. When the Lord won't supply my needs, then it's time for me to go home. But the Lord will supply. And if I can't trust him for money, how can I trust him for healing? How can I trust him for anything else? I've got to trust him. We don't need to be convinced that God is real. We don't need to be convinced that God exists. We believe that. I got I to gotta trust him. And you know what God wants? You know what God's trying to get us to do? Hello, wake up everybody. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to get you to trust him in little things. So that when we get down to times when it really matters, we'll trust him in the bigger things. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stop there. My goodness, I'm only there there's your there's your introductory thought now for a second. Let's just let's just Can I can we can we carry on with that just a little bit? Would that be all right? Now watch. If it's the work of the Holy Spirit to get you to believe, here's the work of the enemy right here in one quote. Brother Bram said that's what he does. Every organization, this is what Satan does in every organization, every individual. This is what Satan's trying to do in every individual. And you're not exempt from this. He's trying to get you to look at the natural things that you can look at. And that'll take away your faith. He's actually trying to get you to look away from the promise, to look away from the supernatural. He's trying to get you to look away from the Bible. He's trying to get you to look away from everything that's solid and real. He's trying to get you to look at the natural things. And you know what? When you start to look at the natural things, you know what you start saying? 
Huh, I don't like that church. My goodness, their sound system is so bad I can't hear. Or, I hope that sister gets this sermon because she really needs it. I don't, but she does. And I hope the pastor gets me to sing next Sunday morning because I only sing Sunday mornings. I don't sing Wednesday nights. I only sing Sunday mornings because that's when the bigger crowd comes. You know what you're doing? You're caught up looking at natural things. And that's Satan's job. Satan's job is to get you to look away from the promise, look away from the, the things that God has said. Satan's trying to get you to look away at anything else. He's trying to get you to look at, wow, but the government put out a report yesterday. He's trying to get you to look at, wow, look at what China's doing over there. And look at this and look at something else. There's an interesting little principle in science that I think you need to know about. I know Brother John already knows about this. Bear with me. But let me say this. Aerodynamically, we know, according to science, the laws of gravity. And every logical scientific concept you can find, bees cannot fly. There's no way that their wings are big enough for their fat little bodies to work together and fly. I mean, you look at the size of a, the, the chunkiness of a bee and look at the size of their wings. They're just little stubby things, right? Scientifically, they've proven that bees can't fly. There have been not just one study done, but they say there's lots of studies. Last I counted, and I don't count this very much, there was 26,000 different studies that were done to prove that bees can't fly. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty substantial. That, that scientists who are paid lots of government money from us who would make 26,000 reports that say that bees don't fly. I mean, I think that's pretty outstanding that they would, they would make those reports. But then later on, I discovered one more thing about bees. They can't read. So if the bees can't read, they can't read the reports. And if the bees can't read the reports, you know what they do? They just do what God told them to do in the first place, and that is just spread your wings and fly. And they do, because they can't read. I think it's great. Just like in the days of Noah, God said, it's going to rain. There was all kinds of reports probably made that said it ain't going to rain. But you know what? They weren't reading those reports. Noah was leaning on what God said. And believed that God was able to do it. And you know what? They, they built a boat and they floated away. Bees can't read. So if they can't read, they're just doing what God told them to do. I say this. We should really become more like bees. You thought I was going to end this with an eagle story, right? But, but what we need to do is become more like bees. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter what the government says. And it doesn't matter what uh, the economy says. And it doesn't matter what uh, you know the World Council of Churches says. It doesn't matter what the, uh, the Pope says. And there's going to be some Pope changes here now after after this one's died and all the other things. I could tell you that a little bit later. But I'll tell you, there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to be said and we all need to do this and we all need to do that. Hey, you stay reading the right thing. Don't read stuff that's not meant for you. Read the right thing and just go ahead and spread those wings of faith and watch what happens because God's made you to fly. God's made you to pass from this 
dimension to another one without death. And I believe God's given us just enough wingspan to get out of here and drop on the other side of the kingdom over there. Don't worry if you can't read. Don't worry if you can't keep up with the world and all the things that are going on out there. Just stay with what you know is true. And Brother Bram said, I believe the Bible's true. Yeah. Stay with what you know is true. Is everybody going to do that? Just stay with what you know is true. And everything will be all right. Right? All we need to do is sing every praise to our God. That's all we need to do. We just need to sing that. And we just need to be rejoicing night and day as we walked in Harrow Way. For the hand of God in all my life I see. Let's sing it this morning here together. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. this morning. Hey, what do you got in your hand? Doesn't matter. Jawbone, stick, promise. God can, God was saying to Moses, trust me, buddy. Trust me. I got this. I know what I'm doing. 
I don't need a whole, I don't need a great big thing to do a great big thing. I only need you to believe and trust that I can do it. It's all I need. It's all I need. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to pray the wonders of your mighty love. And my comfort, oh my shelter, a tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am,
I don't think he wants us. And I, I want to lift that burden off you at the beginning of this year here when we talk about faith. He doesn't want us to, to dig in to try to figure it all out. That's not what God gave us this message for. He gave it to us because there's examples and principles and truths in it that encourage us to believe that God can. It's not, it's not up to me whether I can. It's whether God can. And, and you need to all say, I believe he can. I believe he will. If he said it, he's going to bring it to pass. I believe that. I'm trusting in that. I'm resting in that. And you know what? That's a, you want to be committed to that. You want to be really committed to that. Come to church every time the church is on, uh, you know, to get built up in that faith and encouragement because we need it in our time. My wife and I were driving to church this morning and there was a guy out there in the river down here at the Catawba River and he's just, uh, he's, he's out there in a little boat. It's raining. It's 33 degrees. I looked at the thermometer and he's standing up in his boat and he's going like this. And he's casting out. I look to see if it was Brother Wayne Coffey. But he's out there doing this. And I said to my wife, ah, that's commitment. That's a committed fisherman. That's what he is. And I thought, Lord, help me to be that committed. Help me to have that kind of determination. Doesn't matter what the weather is. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Hey, I want to be there where the action is. I want to be right there. I want to be standing on the right beach when the right wave comes in. I want to be under the surge of the Holy Spirit in the last day. God, order my steps so I can be in the right place. That's, where we, that's the kind of commitment that we need to have. I'll tell you what. His strength is perfect. 
around here, but I'd like to ask you this morning, how many of you are interested in saying that again and say, Lord, I'm committed. I'm committed to this process that's going to change our bodies. I'm committed to this message. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to this Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. I'm committed to the promises. How many of you would like to recommit your life today to Christ? Raise your hand and just pray with me. Heavenly Father, As we stand here today, Lord, just about every hand in the building is raised. Our hearts are turned towards you today, Lord. We realize we have nothing 
extraordinary in our hands at all, like Moses just had a stick and Samson just had a jawbone. But Lord, there's nothing really that we have of our own strength that we can give or we can offer in the battle or some solution that we possess within ourselves. But Lord, we have a promise. We have something in us that agrees with the Word of God. And that's a very, very powerful tool in your hands. Because Lord, you can send a word. You can send a surge. And Lord, there's something in us going to catch a hold of that surge and be completely immersed to the place where I believe one day our bodies will actually be changed. We commit ourselves, Lord, to you. We commit ourselves to your Holy Spirit today. You are our love. You are our bridegroom. You are our peace that passes understanding. You are our joy. You are our counselor. You are our strength. You are our everything. You are the alpha and all the way to the omega. Lord, you are truly my all in all. And Lord, we want to commit ourselves afresh at the beginning of this year. And Lord, so many distractions have occurred over the last few years and And Lord, we know not what tomorrow holds, let alone the rest of this year. But Father God, I know, I know that before you take a people over, they're going to be totally 101% committed to you. And willing to take that little step beyond the impossible. Father, I pray that you would encourage that in our hearts. Stir that up in our hearts, Lord, and build us up in that most holy faith. Help us to be, Lord, in the right place when that surge takes place, in whatever form, in whatever way. And Lord, we don't want to be guilty of trying to produce something, but Lord, we just want to be in the perfect will of God and in that place. We want to be ourselves. We want to be honest, Lord. We want to do what you have chosen us to do. We commit ourselves to your fresh, Lord, and just say, Lord Jesus, we we want to say, Lord, that we are committed to you. We love you with all of our hearts. We'll go now, Lord, and a few minutes we'll return again and just stand at the communion table, Lord, with you. Father, meet with us again, I pray. We don't take our meetings for granted. They're special because of your presence. Have your way in Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hear my prayer. Ah uh-huh. 